0: You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, joined as always by my co-host, David Drogmeyer. Today's episode is brought to you by Ten Ten. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly and sustainably sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful diamond ring launching exclusively January 18th at BlueNile.com. This exciting limited edition collection of diamond engagement rings launches on January 18th and you can preview it exclusively at BlueNile.com. Before we get started, we are two riders who got our start at San Diego Sports Domination, San Diego's top sports blog, and we've been covering the Chargers now for over five seasons. During our own Facebook Live show, Chargers Domination Live, which airs weekly, and now this is our third season as the host of the Locked On Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. What's up, guys? A special thank you to everyone who's checking out the show today for the first time, and we have a good one for you because it's going to be a crossover Wednesday with the Locked On Raiders. Usually we do this on a Thursday, but since the Chargers play on Thursday night football against the Raiders, we're scooting it up a day. So we're going to be talking with your boy Q, one of my favorites on the Locked On Podcast Network, getting into the Raiders and their meltdown. Since the last time they've played the Chargers, they've looked like a completely different team. We'll also talk about them firing their defensive coordinator and also Derek Carr's turnover problems. But we're going to start with the news that the Chargers have now been linked to another offensive coordinator so we're going to get into that and talk about the possibility of him potentially taking over the chargers if anthony lynn is let go so let's go ahead and get into it the los angeles chargers have now been linked to the buffalo bills offensive coordinator as a potential anthony lynn replacement this is daniel Wade with your locked on chargers lead story the chargers have only been linked to one offensive coordinator and coach to potentially replace Anthony Lynn if the Chargers are to move on from him during the offseason. And that was Josh McDaniels, and it was reported by Albert Breer. But now Breer is talking about a different coach potentially taking over in Los Angeles. And Breer said on a radio interview that he thinks Brian Dable, the Buffalo Bills offensive coordinator, would actually be a good candidate for the job, saying he and general manager Tom Telesco actually went to the same Buffalo area high school, and they had the same agent. Dable's worked his way into the top group of coaching candidates. This is an especially interesting move that the Chargers could explore if they do move on from Anthony Lynn for several different reasons. And the first is seeing what Brian Dable has been able to do with Josh Allen. Allen came out of the draft as a very, very raw prospect and a very polarizing prospect. But I think you've seen what Dable has been able to do for him since he came in the league In 2018, and I think if the Chargers were to go this direction, they would be hoping for the same kind of ascent for Justin Herbert, who is already starting out much better than Josh Allen did. But just to give some examples of the growth of Josh Allen, in 2018, he played 12 games and only completed 52.8% of his passes and had a 3.8 interception percentage while throwing 10 touchdowns and 12 interceptions, and he only averaged 6.5 yards per attempt. Now you look at what he's been able to do this season in an arguably MVP caliber season, and this year he's played 13 games with 28 touchdowns, 9 interceptions, and his touchdown percentage has rocketed up to 5.9, while his interceptions have gone down to 1.9%. And the good thing about it is he's now at a QBR, according to Pro Football Reference, of 76.0 and a yards per attempt at 7.7 when he was a rookie his QBR was only 49.8 and he was averaging only six and a half yards per attempt so those are pretty staggering numbers from what Josh Allen came into the league as I mean his first season people were wondering if he was a bust or not but Brian Dable in Buffalo has been able to turn that around and I think that would be the main reason for the Chargers to try to potentially get him if they want him to be their new head coach is just What can he do with Justin Herbert? Can he get the most out of the Chargers' young phenom? And the other thing he's been able to do really well with Josh Allen is incorporate his athleticism into his game. During his time in Buffalo over the last three seasons, and really less than three seasons, Allen has 1,491 rushing yards and 23 rushing touchdowns. He's also averaging a respectable 5.1 yards per carry. So, That could be something he could potentially look into as far as getting Justin Herbert to run the football a little bit more and help out the offense in that way. But it hasn't just been Josh Allen, whose production has gone way up since joining Brian Dable in Buffalo. Another good example is Stephon Diggs, who is eerily similar to Keenan Allen as far as production and what they've been able to do in their career as great route runners and great receivers. Stephon Diggs' best season before this year was 2018 where he had 102 catches and 1,021 receiving yards, averaging 10 yards per reception. And now this season, he is already at 100 catches through 13 games, a career-high 1,167 receiving yards. So you know he would be able to find ways to use Charger star wide receiver Keenan Allen. The other example I would use is John Brown who was a pretty nomadic receiver who never really had any great seasons outside of one year in Arizona. Last year when he was the number one receiver for the Bills offense, he had a career high of 1,060 receiving yards and a career high of 72 catches. So he's been able to make it work with what he has. But one of the things that alarmed me when I looked at what Brian Dable was able to do was how many shots he's already had at being an offensive coordinator. He spent two years in Cleveland as the OC, a year in Miami, and a year in Kansas City. And this is how the passing yards ranked for those teams. The first couple of years, they ranked 32nd and 29th with the Cleveland Browns. They ranked 23rd in passing in 2011 with the Dolphins and 32nd in Kansas City. But then you look a little deeper and you see that the quarterbacks For the Browns were Colt McCoy and Brady Quinn. The quarterback for Miami was Matt Moore. And the quarterbacks for Kansas City in 2012 were Matt Castle and Brady Quinn. But a lot of those seasons he made up for it by having a really potent rushing attack. And I think that shows you that he's able to evolve with the pieces that he has around him. And I think things really turned around for him when he went to be the offensive coordinator for Alabama in 2017 when he led them to a national championship working with quarterbacks like Tua Tonga-Vailoa and Jalen Hurts. So it does seem like Brian Dable is much better and much more experienced now. And although you don't know how he would be as a head coach, if you're looking for someone to try to get the most out of Justin Herber, I think Brian Dable is absolutely a prime candidate for the Chargers. But we do have two more segments to get into because we have to get into our Locked On Raiders crossover. So we'll be getting into the Raiders falling off a cliff so far this season. Derek Carr's turnover problems and firing their defensive coordinator coming up right after this. But first, I need to tell you guys about the best protein bar on the planet. And for me, I always tell you guys that I'm not going to eat a protein bar if it doesn't taste good. And that's the best thing about Built Bars is they taste great and they're great for you. They're all 100% covered in chocolate and soft and easy to chew, which is huge for me. And they have a ton of great flavors like caramel brownie, cookies and cream, and lemon almond cheesecake. If you guys want to indulge in a delicious treat while also having a healthy snack, Bilt Bar is the way to go. And we have a special offer for our listeners. If you guys go to builtbar.com, use the promo code On, you can get 20% off your next order. That's promo code On, all caps, one word for 20% off at builtbar.com
2: what is up everybody welcome into crossover wednesday that's right crossover wednesday because the los angeles chargers and the las vegas raiders are going to be playing on thursday night football so that means we had to get the crossover done right now of course i'm david druggemar locked on chargers i am joined by your boy q of locked on raiders what is going on q how you doing man
0: good 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 how you doing man it's a it's a it's a fun week it's a short week uh, time to get uh, two teams out there back on the field that aren't big fans of each other it's an AFC west division game so it should be fun it'll be in prime time so i'm excited no question about it man and hey i mean let's
2: start this right here the raiders were six and three after you know beating the chargers the last time they met and they were flying high feeling good about themselves pushing towards the playoffs what the hell has changed
0: well, I mean, first of all, the, the defense has, has let itself down, has let the team down in, in general, and they just haven't been playing very good ball. You know, I mean, again, you get to that 6-3 and three mark, and the Raiders were there a year ago, and uh, everyone's thinking, hey, man, this team is for real. This team is flying high. They're about to do some big things, and, and then they just uh, went down the stretch and only won one game. Well, uh, fast forward to a year later, they're six and three after beating the Chargers, like you mentioned. And, well, going into week, uh, what, 15 now, they have only won one game since then. So I, I don't know that they're going to, uh, you know, how they're going to finish the season. They got three left, so they can go and, and, and get it done and, and maybe win out and still have a, a slight possibility at the playoffs if they get some help. But uh, it's eerily similar to what uh, to what Raider fans saw in, in 2019, which is not what Raider fans wanted to see in 2020. So uh, the team overall, man, just hasn't been playing good ball. The offense has done as much as it can but ultimately the defense has been the Achilles heel which is the reason why John Gruden made the tough decision to fire his uh, defensive coordinator Paul Gunther Sunday following the beatdown to Phillip Rivers and the Colts. Phillip Rivers who you know very well.
2: (laughs) Indeed we do, of course, Phillip Rivers being the quarterback of the Colts, but was the quarterback of the Chargers for fifteen plus years. So of course, and yeah, we all keep a you know, keep we keep some tabs on Phillip Rivers over there in Indianapolis just to see how our old gunslinger is doing. But, you know, you talked about it, you know, the after the bad loss to the Colts, you know, the, the Raiders made the decision to fire their their DC Gunther. Was that the right move to make and was the right time? And what do you what kind of difference do you kind of want to see uh, after that move?
0: Well, you know, I, I didn't think that they were going to fire him uh, after that game. I just didn't. You know, I mean, you're already 13 games into the season. You only have a handful of g- left, three games left. Uh, you know, what what could really happen between now and the end of the season that's going to be different than what you saw from the first 13 games? So I honestly thought that they were going to, if make a move, they'd make a move in the offseason and say, okay, look, uh, Paul, this has been great. You've had three seasons, but now we're going to let you go. But John Gruden really fully believes that this team is a playoff team and should be in the playoffs and is very just upset. Obst- Set by what's happened from the defense, particularly the last two weeks in a row, where they've given up over 200 yards on the ground. So he, you know, came out on, on Monday in his press conference and said it was a very tough decision. I had to make a move. The the defense needed a new voice in the room. Uh, it just needed to to get a spark. Something's got to happen because you know you you can't go and continue to have guys rush for two hundred yards and just, you know, undisciplined defense and not sniff the quarterback and you know Phillip Rivers, man. I'm not I'm not breaking any news here. Phillip Rivers is not a mobile quarterback. The Raiders didn't even get close to him. They didn't even get close to touching him on, on Sunday, and that's embarrassing, especially when they had a, a issue on the offensive line, and you thought, okay, this is an opportunity for the Raiders maybe to go and get two or three sacks and really kind of rough up uh, Phillip Rivers, make him uncomfortable, and they weren't able to do it at all. I mean, they didn't even sniff him. They didn't even get close to him. His, his jersey's probably still clean, and, and that's that's just not acceptable. you know. And so uh, they they made that tough decision. I don't know how much things are going to change. I know Rod Marinelli is a hard-nosed, old-school-style uh, defensive coordinator, uh, but I do know that he's also been the defensive line coach for the Raiders throughout the season, and the defensive line has taken a, a, a step back from what it was a year ago under Brenton Buckner. So I don't know if he, you know, who's just given up 400 yards, 400-plus 400 yards on the ground, two weeks, you know, basically in a row total. Uh, I don't know if he's all of a sudden going to uh, do a better job with the whole defense or, or what, but – you know something's got to give they've got to find a way to be a little bit better than what they have been I think it all starts with effort I really do I know they don't have any alpha dogs on defense they don't have a Joey Bosa they don't have a Melvin Ingram they don't have a you know a Derwin James they don't have guys like that on the on the squad right now Uh, but they do have guys that can go out there and play and just be fundamentally sound and right now they're lacking in fundamentals and so maybe maybe Rod Marinelli can help bring that out in them
2: Yeah, we'll see. I mean, that's definitely something the Charger fans have wanted to see. I mean, they wanted to see some heads roll after this very embarrassing, you know, season that we've been going through right now. But I mean, that just hasn't happened. But flipping things over to the offensive side, Derek Carr, you know, had an interception in that game against the Colts. And that was his seventh giveaway in the last three games. How frustrating is that? And how do you think they're going to go about getting that corrected?
0: You know I, I don't think that that was a big deal uh, either one of the interceptions that he had against the Colts honestly I, I don't trip off of those uh, that play that was made in the end zone uh, by Kenny Moore was outstanding I mean that was a one-handed oh, that was grab Ridiculous. yeah exactly I mean now he should have thrown it a little bit farther and, and Darren Waller has an easy touchdown but if you go up there and you as a defensive back and you go and make a play like that with one hand and you just bring that thing down well you just tip your cap and say hey nice play you know I mean th- these guys are all in the NFL for a reason they're all uh, the best of the best at one, one point on their team and so uh, that was just a hell of a play. The second interception he had, it was just you know it bounced off Jalen Richard's hands, went into the uh, the linebacker's hands. They took it back for six. Uh, I don't I don't put either one of those like a big deal on on Derek Carr. Those those turnovers, I'm not uh, I don't have a problem with. The turnovers I have a problem with is the ones if you go all the way back to the Atlanta game when he gets sacked three times and he fumbles three times and he loses it three times. That drives me crazy. That drives me up a wall. That to me is unacceptable. That's you've got to have better ball security when you in the pocket those strip sacks are are, in my opinion sometimes worse than interceptions are and so those are the the turnovers that Derek Carr has that drive me crazy uh he's throwing a couple interceptions here and there a lot of it is him just trying to make plays so I I don't I I think for the most part he, he protects the ball as far as throwing interceptions but he does fumble a lot in the pocket and that's the biggest issue especially when you got dudes and the, car, and the Chargers, I mean, have dudes. They got Joey Bosa, who he's going to go for the sack, but he's also going to go for the strip. He's, they've got Melvin Ingram. Melvin Ingram's going to go for the sack. He's going to go for the strip. Dudes like that worry me because if they can make the pocket a little bit messy and they can get to uh, Derek Carr and bother him and start swiping at that ball, well, he's shown more times than not he'll put it on the ground, and those are the ones that I have an issue with.
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, you're gonna have to worry about Joey Bosa, but you're not gonna have to worry about Melvin Ingram. Melvin Ingram is on IR and he's gonna miss the rest of the season. So oh, no real? worries about Melvin Ingram. Yeah, he is not gonna be out when, there. When did that happen? Yeah, that happened a couple of weeks ago, honestly. Uh he's been dealing with a knee injury for most of the year. Okay. So, uh, you know, he's been trying to fight through it. You know, he's a warrior out yeah. there. You know the type of uh, you know, mentality that he has, but he just couldn't. I mean, unfortunately, when you go on IR the second time, they can't activate you back. Right. So That effectively ended his season and might end his career as a charger as well, because he's going into unrestricted free agency after this year.
0: Wow. OK, OK, well, that, that's definitely a guy. And, and I usually I'm all up to date on that. And I didn't realize that he was already on IR. So, OK, well, that's one guy that's not there. But Joey Bosa is definitely a dude. Oh,
2: Joey Bosa is that dude. I mean, Joey Bosa is a phenomenal defensive lineman. He's really one of the most complete defensive linemen out there. I mean, a guy that plays the pass and the run equally as stout. But moving on, you know, news came out for the Raiders that Henry Ruggs, their speedster, their young phenom out there, was added to the COVID-19 list. How big of a loss for that going into this game on Thursday night?
0: statistically wise it's not a big loss because if you look at his numbers he hasn't done a whole lot this season uh but I I think that his presence is definitely felt I mean he only has 23 catches and 414 yards and a couple TDs on the season and so that's not overwhelming that's not like he's just you know he's pulling Keenan Allen type numbers but with that being said that speed keeps defenses honest I mean it really does and uh even though he's not out there to be a major decoy at the same time he helps keep the 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 box a little bit cleaner for Josh Jacobs to have uh, more run lanes and and Devontae Booker to have more run lanes. And unfortunately, he won't be out there for that. It's another one of the Raiders that have come, you know hit the COVID-19 reserve list. That's unfortunate. So all in all, I would say it's a big hit, but statistically it's not a big hit. So I know some people will look at him and be like, oh, who cares? No big deal. He ain't doing nothing anyway. But if you really look at the nuts and bolts of the game and the scheme and, and what he brings to the table just being on the field, it, it, it's a big deal to have any guy uh, go down that, that, that has his speed that he has.
2: Well, I mean, yeah, just look at Tyreek Hill and what he does to open things up for the Kansas City Chiefs offense. I mean, that speed is unreal, and just the threat of that speed will make you change the type of defense you're going to play. So that's why we were very worried about it. I mean, got to be honest. The the guy can stretch the field, and you know he can go from one side to the other in in a flash, but – you know, I know this is a bit of an obvious question, but we're going to finish it with this. I mean, is this a must-win game for the Raiders on Thursday night?
0: Yeah, the next three are. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's, it's simple as that. The the next three are all must wins because the ultimate goal is to get into the playoffs. And if that's the expectation, and that's the expectation I had going into the 2020 season, is that the third year under John Gruden, they should expect to make the playoffs. I just I don't see why they shouldn't. You know, and and I know there's a lot of excuses out there. Well, COVID's been an uh, issue. Well, they've had a lot of guys injured. Well, they don't have this. Well, they don't have that. Look, that's across the board in the NFL. There's a lot of everybody dealing with COVID. There's a lot of people dealing with injuries. There's a lot of people that don't have fans in the stands. There's a lot of people that are uncomfortable with their situation. I get it, you know, but at the end of the day, it's all about W's and L's. And in the, in the NFL, it's a win or lose league. You know, you either win or you don't. And so the Raiders haven't won enough. And so now they've put themselves, they back backed themselves into a corner where it is You've got to win out, and you've got to help uh, look for some hope you know, or help. You know, I thought that uh, Monday night the Ravens uh, were going to lose to to the Browns, and I was thinking that that was going to be their crack in the armor to be able to get slide into the, the to the playoffs with three wins, uh, but ultimately Baltimore ended up winning that outstanding game. So, uh, yeah, that, that didn't happen. So now they're going to need some help some somewhere else. Baltimore's going to have to lose a game against, you know, easy teams. And I say easy teams. There's no real easy game in the league. But the Jaguars, the G-Men, and, and the Bengals. So, you know, they have a very favorable, uh, you know, a, a, a schedule going down the stretch. So it should be interesting. But, yeah, as far as the answer to answer your question in a long-winded roundabout way, yeah, uh, it's absolutely 100% a must-win game. Uh, the next three are for the Silver and Black if they – if they want to have an opportunity to play in the postseason.
2: Well, hey, that's all I had from my side. We're going to go ahead and switch things over to your boy Q, and he's going to ask me some questions about the Chargers, and we're going to do that right after this.
0: Welcome back. This is the crossover edition Raiders Chargers Week 15 action. Prime time. What else do you really want, right? Uh, AFC West opponents. So it should be a fun game. Already played once this season. The Raiders came out with the victory. What will happen in the second time around at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas? I'm your boy Q, here to help me break down this game. Of course, uh, host of the Locked On Chargers, uh, David Draugermeyer. You can find him on Twitter at ddro sports that's at ddro sports and david thank you so much for your time man it's always good catching up with you talking a little chargers talk a little raiders and before we get into the nuts and bolts of the game before we get into the players what is going on with the head coach with the man in charge the dude on the sideline anthony lynn uh there was a time a couple weeks ago where it looked like the chargers just completely quit on anthony lynn then all of a sudden they bounce back and they get a victory and look like they're fighting for anthony lynn so what is the latest in the greatest with the status of the head coach Anthony Lynn
2: well I think if you ask the players then you're going to hear a different story than if you ask the fans because the all the fans out there a lot of the fans out there want to see Anthony Lynn get fired I mean they wanted to see him get fired weeks ago they had were completely done with him but uh after that you know embarrassing 45 to 0 loss to the New England Patriots it's kind of hard not to have those feelings I mean it's like Somebody's got to be held accountable for this. It's similar to, you know, the Raiders making that move to, to fire, you know, their D.C. At least they did something. They did something to make a statement. And I think a lot of Chargers fans were wanting them to make that same statement. Um, but that did not ha- that did not happen. The Chargers organization has a tremendous amount of respect for Anthony Lynn. They said that they were going to evaluate this entire season as a whole after the year. And then they'll make their decisions on what they're going to do. Uh, then, But uh, right now, I mean, you're coming off of a, a big win, and the the win here is, is really important because you've been so bad in one-score games this year. I mean, th- at one point, they had four leads of 16 points or more and lost all four of those games. So this is a really important win for the rookie quarterback. Not only do they not allow special teams to get in the way, but they – actually put together a game-winning drive and the execute. So I think it's so good, so important for the confidence. And, yes, does it help Anthony Lynn stay in his position maybe a little bit longer? Possibly, yes.
0: Well, you mentioned the, the rookie quarterback and Justin Herbert. He's a guy I've been very impressed with. Uh, honestly, he easily could have been the number one overall uh, picket quarterback, and I don't think anyone would have questioned it. I mean, he's been playing really, really well all season long, even in the first game against the, the Raiders that went down to the very, very – I mean, you couldn't go no farther. I mean, it went down to the last second, and then there were zeros on the clock, and there was still a little indecision on who won the game until it went to replay. So how have you seen uh-huh. Justin Herbert – Uh, take the starting role from Tyrod Taylor by no fault of Tyrod Taylor's, but when he first took that role to where he is right now, how have you seen this young man grow? I mean, it's a great
2: question. I think that you've seen, you know, in the beginning with Justin Herbert that he knew he had a big arm and that he was going to take some chances, right? And, you know, he made some mistakes taking some chances, you know, throwing across his body or trying to fit it into small windows, which, I mean, a couple of times that's worked, but a couple of times he's thrown really bad interceptions and cost his team the game. So the one thing that I really appreciated from Justin Herbert from week to week is that He'll make a mistake, but then he'll clean that up and not make that same mistake the next week. And I think that's just the clearest form of growth for me is just the processing of the field and, you know, being a little bit more, you know, safe with the football, making, you know, still taking some chances here and there, but making those calculated risks. I think also just adjusting because the league adjusted to Justin Herbert. I mean, they said, hey, you know, we're going to send some blitzes at you. We're going to stunt and confuse you. And then you're going to have to figure out, you know, what the best. You know, decision is with the football there and so you know it took a couple of weeks for them to figure out a game plan to help him um, and for him to get comfortable adjusting but I feel like he has done that so the fact that he's been able to make mistakes and adjust and get better that is what's given me so much confidence and so much excitement for the future for Justin Herbert
0: and if I remember correctly the first game the first time the Raiders played the Chargers Austin Eckler did not play when he out correct okay so now, correct, yes. now now that I think he's going to return, uh, I know he's banged oh, yeah. up. He's on the injury list. Matter of fact, the Chargers injury list, that's probably the only injury report in the league that's longer than the Raiders is right now. Uh, <laughs> as, as far as those kind of guys that, you know, I know Keenan Allen's on there. I know Mike Williams is on there. Uh, I'm expecting those dudes to play. That's just kind of what I expect, including Austin Eckler. But uh, what does he bring to the table that wasn't there the first time that the the uh, Chargers played the Raiders?
2: I mean, a true catalyst, a guy that's just so efficient uh, with the football, a guy that's so dynamic in the open field. Yeah, he's a a diminutive guy. I mean, he's five foot seven or so, but. This guy packs a punch. He is pound for pound one of the strongest players on this team. I mean, period. I mean, he breaks tackles. He he is so hard to bring to the ground. And the, the thing is, is what makes him so dangerous is he is just as good of a pass catcher as he is a running back. He's the best running back on that team and one of the best pass catchers on that team, period, regardless of position. So he's just so dynamic because you get him the football and you can almost guarantee he's getting five or six yards. He's going to break tackles. He's going to make people miss. That kind of just outlet, that security blanket that is not named Keenan Allen uh, is what was so important. and What makes Austin Eckler so dynamic is just his ability to impact the game. If you look at his stat line, you're looking for all-purpose yards for, for Austin Eckler. You're not looking for just passing yards or just rushing yards. You're trying to look at the full picture, and then you'll be able to appreciate all the things that Austin Eckler brings to the table.
0: And he's a dynamic player, no doubt about it. Catch the ball, like you mentioned, he could obviously run the rock. What is the offensive line? How have they been? I know they've at times had struggles. I know at times they've been injured and banged up. But how has the offensive line looked the last few weeks, in your opinion?
2: They've looked pretty shaky to me, uh, okay. honestly. I mean, especially against the Patriots. Uh, I mean, against the Bills as well, they brought pressure a lot. You I mean, did a lot of stunts. And that confused the offensive line quite a bit. And I think you saw the Chargers adjust when they – you know played their last opponent you know and did a lot of screen passes got the ball out out quickly against the falcons to try to slow down that pass rush and yeah maybe that dominated a little bit too much of the game plan but it was effective i mean they rarely got any pressure on justin herbert and it did help out the offensive line and i think that was by design because they have had a lot of trouble with communication and it's just a lack of like uh, overall talent i mean They, first of all, have been extremely injured. But also, I mean, on the offensive line, you need chemistry. You you need time. you got to be there and be able to think and feel and experience that With next to the people that you're playing with I mean that's just so important for that to be built and it's really hard when they're cycling bodies in and out at multiple different positions to get that chemistry that is so essential to to good offensive line play. I mean the Raiders have a phenomenal offensive line. They have had that for a long time but they've also invested the amount of money that it takes to get a good offensive line the Chargers have not and it shows because they just have a lack of talent on the offensive
0: line. Well I mean if the Raiders decide that they want to go out there and get an extreme effort. Maybe that's an area that they could try to exploit him is on that offensive line. Maybe get some pressure on Justin Herbert who, uh, unlike Phillip Rivers, is a guy who can move around and get up out of the pocket and do what he has to do. Now, let me go ahead and flip over to the defensive side of things because that's obviously very important, a very important element uh, in this game and it's led by Gus Bradley, the defensive coordinator and normally his defenses are really you know, spot on and, and really, really good but uh, again, going even back to the Patriots game, man, just got blown out. It almost looks like the, the team quit on, on the on the coaching staff, uh, what has been the biggest issue, in your opinion, uh, from Gus Bradley's defense, at least, especially lately?
2: Well, I mean, I think it's the bend but don't break defense, but they're breaking. I mean, you're not you're supposed to bend, but you're not supposed to break. You're supposed to limit the explosive plays. You're supposed to not get beat over the top. You're supposed to you know you know really get stout in the red zone, but they've allowed I think sixteen or seventeen straight goal to go situations to to end up in touchdowns, so I think that's been one of the biggest deficiencies is the red zone defense and just getting burned i mean Casey Hayward it's very uncharacteristic of him, but he's got burned like four or five times. Forty plus yards and and big giving up big touchdowns, which is like I said, just not like Casey. He's you know a silent assassin out there, one of the best DBs in the league, and doesn't get a lot of credit for it. But it seems like you know Father Time is starting to catch up with Casey. I hate to see that because he's such a you know tenacious you know a really effective football player and has been, and was a great pickup for the Chargers. But it seems like he's starting to slow down a little bit. But as a whole, I mean th- that's the that's the problem with the defense not getting a lot of pressure on the quarterback giving up a ton of rushing yards and not being stout enough in the red zone. I mean, those are the the things that have caused this Chargers defense not to be as good as it can be.
0: Well, let's look at up front. You know, uh, yeah, that, I know J- uh, Joey Bosa is there. You let me know that Melvin Ingram is on uh, IR. That's something that I it got kind of slipped through the cracks as far as I was concerned. So uh, now that he doesn't have his book in, in, in Melvin Ingram right there, uh, what is that defensive line? Obviously, Joey Bosa is going to shine, but what outside of Joey Bosa on that defensive line uh, has helped complement him to try to get to the quarterback?
2: So two guys that have been helping out in that department is Jerry Tillery, the former first round first rounder from the last year's draft. They kind of moved him outside into that same role that Melvin Ingram was at And he's starting to get some pressure after the quarterback. I mean, he's had some costly penalties, so they kind of rotated him out. But he is a pretty good pass rusher. He's not a great run stuffer, so you're going to see him in a lot of passing downs. But another guy is Uchenna Nwosu, who is a third-year guy out of USC who has been a backup. But now it's his time to shine. Now that Melvin Ingram's on the shelf, now it's time to figure out what the Chargers have in Uchenna Nwosu. They need to have a good quality pass rusher to get behind Joey Bosa to rush with him so that they take some of the pressure off of Joey and give him more one-on-ones. Because, you know, if they don't feel like they have to worry about anybody but Joey, then he's going to get double-teamed and triple-teamed and chipped and abused, and they're going to do everything they can to stop that guy if they don't feel like there's anybody else that can get after the quarterback. So two other guys you need to worry about is Jerry Tillery and Uchenna Nwosu.
0: So the Raiders like to uh, butter their bread by way of the run. I mean, there's no doubt about it. There's no mistake in that. There's no hiding that. Uh, that's just what the Raiders do. That's a staple of John Gruden's offense. Josh Jacobs is the lead dog. They have Devontae uh, Booker as well uh, as a compliment to him. They're a nice little one-two punch. Do you feel like this is an opportunity for the Raiders uh, to get that run game going And, and because maybe the, the Chargers defensive line is a little bit uh, you know, weakened? I don't want to say they're not good against the run, but maybe a little bit weaker than they have been in the past. No, oh, I
2: mean, I, I don't think there's any bones about it. They are not good against the run. I mean, I'll be a very upfront and honest with you about it. I mean, they get gashed at will. I think the Patriots had 175 rushing yards, which, I mean, that's what they do. But, I mean, they, they've given up huge rushing numbers to several teams. That's a big key for this game is not to allow the, the Raiders to dictate this game with the running game. But it's a huge concern because the Chargers are soft in the middle. Linval Joseph's good. Justin Jones is good. But they just don't, have, they don't get a lot of push. Right. I mean, they don't get a lot of penetration. And that is very concerning. So if the Raiders stick to it and they really try to establish that run game, there should be opportunities to, to get some big chunk plays out of it against this Chargers defense.
0: One guy that I was a big fan of in the draft and the uh, Chargers ended up getting him, Kenneth Murray. Uh, I think mm-hmm. he kind of started off the season maybe a little slow, but I know he's been sure. coming on as of late. Uh, what have you seen from Kenneth Murray as far as the linebacker goes? Um, and, and just how much has he been a, a nice weapon, a nice addition, I should say, to this Chargers defense?
2: yeah so it's been nice to see kenneth murray just grow i mean you know in the beginning i think things were a little bit fast for him they threw a lot on his plate he was the the signal caller for the defense so he was trying to get everybody lined up still trying to learn the defense at the same time and you know he did an admirable job with that i mean the thing that he you know he did well with his just natural natural athleticism and speed his ability to run sideline to sideline his closing speed is ridiculous But what the Chargers did the last couple of games is take that play calling responsibility off of him and give it to Nick Vigil, a veteran, you know, a guy that has been in the league for quite a while. You know, he understands the defenses. He knows what he's doing out there. And that allows Kenneth Murray to go out there and just play fast and play physical, you know, diagnose a play and go attack. That is when he is at his best. He got had a 14 tackle game against the Patriots. That's probably the only thing that went well and a sack. I mean, they actually sent him after the quarterback, which we've been clamoring for, and he did extremely well doing that. So Kenneth Murray is getting better week after week after week. I love that they took some responsibility away from him that will allow him to go out there and play as fast and physical as he is capable of.
0: Yeah, no, it should be interesting. Again, like I said, I, I was a big fan of his, uh, you know, just coming out of the draft, coming out of Oklahoma, thought he was a heck of a player. Uh, as far as the back end goes, uh, I mean, obviously there's, there's no Derwin James. He's, he's out. Um, and then he's on I, not on IR, but he's on, uh, COVID-19 as well. Man, that guy can't catch a break, can he?
2: No, no, he's, no, he can't. I mean, he missed the whole season. And yeah, now he's on the COVID list. It, it's kind of like, man, you know, he's got so much talent. He's so uh, such an incredible player. And you just want to see him on the field. But he just hasn't been able to catch a break.
0: No, he, he really can't. Uh, so what about, uh, you know, uh, Nasir Adderley and then Rayshon Jenkins on the back end? Are, are they doing a good job to at least, you know, fill that void that Derwin James had while he was there?
2: So I mean, Nas is you know he, he's do, he's learning a lot. I mean, he, this is really his
0: his his first
2: year in the league. He pretty much redshirted his whole first year. He was injured, and so he didn't get a lot uh, into the defense. He didn't get a lot of opportunities because he just couldn't get right. This year, you know, going with the COVID nineteen stuff, you you know, missing a lot of off season programs, a limited training camp, and you know, he did a lot of learning on the fly. He's kind of took a lot of bad angles at 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 things. And, you know, he just made some You know, bad mistakes out there in center field. So the Chargers have kind of shifted things to Rayshon Jenkins out there playing more of the free safety and then bringing some other bodies in to play strong safety. And that seems to have worked out a little bit because Rayshon Jenkins is getting interceptions. He is really instinctive, a good tackler, a willing tackler. Uh, Also, Michael Davis is another guy that, that the Raiders should worry about. He's really coming into his own, really starting to become a number one corner in this league. He always had the size and the speed, but he just, wanted to make sure to shore up that technique. Now he has done that and he is getting more confident because he's picking off the ball. He has three interceptions on the year. So Michael Davis and Ray Jenkins are both really setting themselves up to get a nice payday at the end of the year.
0: Nice. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> a good payday. I mean, that's, that's what players do. They shine, right? Don't they shine during a uh, contract years and contract moments? Absolutely, man. This is it, right? This is, Hey, let me put everything I
2: can <laughs> on tape to get as many Benjamins as I possibly can.
0: Exactly, exactly. And I gotta I gotta ask you a couple more questions and, and I forgot about this when I was talking about the linebackers, but Malik Jefferson, man, he's a guy from UT. He's a guy that I've had my eye on for a long time. Obviously, I'm sitting in Texas, so covering the college game. Uh, he was a big shot coming out of high school. He had a lot of hype at UT and really didn't live up to it. The Cincinnati Bengals drafted him in the fourth round. He's now on the roster for the Chargers, and, and I don't know the answer to this, but what has he brought to the table for, for the char- Chargers, if it anything
2: yeah so malik jefferson hasn't got a lot of play with the starters or on defense very much at all he's really just been a special teamer okay. for the chargers you know he's been on kick teams and punt teams but i mean he, he's only came in when the chargers were really bare and that only happened a couple of times so he has not been on the field very much for the chargers this year
0: okay that's that's about right that's kind of where i thought his uh, his career was going anyway it's just you know in, in cincinnati again a fourth round draft pick he just he was okay. He was okay at yeah. Texas. He's just, he's basically, that's what he is as a player, okay. I just, I was wondering if maybe getting in a new scene, uh, getting into a new scheme, maybe change things up for him. But it sounds like he's a special teams player at best, and that's just kind of what he's going to be. So fi- final question for you, as far as this game goes, man, what's your gut feeling? You know, the the uh, Raiders squeaked it out last time against the Chargers. Uh, last second had to go to replay, thought that they had, the Chargers thought they had to win and they didn't. Uh, it just, it was crazy the way that that game ended. Uh, how do you think this one shakes out?
2: Well, I mean, that's a great question. I'm not going to get into a prediction because we do that uh, on on our show on wins or the day before the game, so I'm not going to do quite that. But I will say this. For the Chargers, if they are able to – establish a little bit of a run game and set up the play action off of that and attack that Raiders secondary and you know really get some chunk plays going you know that's when they're at their best then it's going to be an interesting game and on the defensive side if they're able to limit the running game for the Raiders and able to get pressure on Derek Carr which is very difficult to do but if they can then you know we we know that he might fumble the football we know that he can throw interceptions it's really about getting pressure on him when he's comfortable man he can make all the throws on the field. So that's, you know, what what I'm going to be looking at going into this game. I mean, there's got to be a lot of a lot of bad blood against these two teams, especially after how that first game ended. I know there's nothing for the Chargers to play for, but to ruin things for the AFC West because that's the last three games on the schedule. They got the Raiders, they got the Broncos, they got the Chiefs, and I'm sure that they are wanting to sucker punch each and every single one of them. So they are going to come into this game looking to win. There is no question about it.
0: Yeah, it's going to be fun, man. It's definitely going to be fun. Uh, it's always fun when the Raiders and Chargers get together. The only shame is there's no fans there, just like there was no fans there at SoFi earlier on in the year. But uh, please believe with those two beautiful new stadiums, man, there's going to be plenty of years of a lot of fans yelling and screaming at the game and, and cheering and, and having good times in that stadium once uh, everything starts to get back to somewhat normal, if that's uh, around the corner anytime soon. So it's going to be a fun game, man. I'm very excited about it. That's David Droegemeier. You can find him on Twitter at dd. R O sports that's at D-D-R-O-Sports, one of the hosts of Locked on Chargers, uh, a guy I consider a buddy man, a good dude, uh, knows his stuff and and is is here with us today uh, talking Chargers and Raiders. David, thank you so much for your time, my man. I definitely appreciate you. Enjoy the game on on, on Sunday, on Thursday.
2: I appreciate you, man. Hey, maybe one of these days we'll be able to go catch a game live. We'll see.
1: All right, well, a special thank you to your boy, Q. I always enjoy hearing these crossovers, and I hope that you guys, too, and just a programming note, tomorrow will be a little bit different since we did the crossover today. Tomorrow will be more of a pre-game show for the Raiders. We'll get into our keys for success and we'll make our bold in-game predictions. But until then, make sure to follow us on Twitter at LockedOnLAC and to like the Facebook page at Lockdown Chargers, as well as subscribing to us on Apple Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts from, you can find the Lockdown Chargers podcast there. And it's the fastest and easiest way to get the show. If you guys want to get on the voicemail show next, if you guys want to get on the next voicemail show, the number is 323-524-7924 with a condensed week this week. I'm not sure we'll get to them, but next week we absolutely will. So we'll be back with you guys tomorrow for our Raiders pregame show. Until then, take it easy and go Bolts.